0: Welcome to the Florida Specifier Podcast. This is Brett Slipers, and I'm joined today by my co-host and fellow members of the Specifier Editorial Board, Ryan Matthews. Ryan is the former Deputy Secretary and Secretary of the Florida Department of Environmental Protection and is now with the Gray Robinson Law Firm. Good to have you here, Ryan. Happy to be here. Next is Jeff Littlejohn. Jeff is a Specifier's founding editor. He's also a former Deputy Secretary at DEP and is now a principal at Longlist National Stormwater Trust. And on-site performance, he's also senior advisor at the Adams and Reese Law Firm. How are you, sir? I'm okay. Trying not to get fired. Then there's me. I'm the former executive director of the Northwest Florida Water Management District, current partner at Anfield Consulting, and I host another highly underrated podcast called Water for Fighting. And now, our guest of honor, and from this point forward, co-host for the editorial board podcast, the editor-in-chief of the Florida Specifier, Patrick Gillespie. Patrick is an old hand at Florida government. Public Relations and Journalism, who, in addition to being the guy that keeps the trains running on time, is also a government affairs advisor with the Adams and Reese Law Firm. Gentlemen, great to be with you today.
1: Oh, hey, okay. yeah, Nice to see you. Yeah. Yeah, nice see you. See you We're doing this again already? Yeah.
2: TGIF.
0: All right, let's start with you, Patrick. First of all, I think I speak for most, if not all of us, when I say it's great to have you at the helm of the specifier. We're already seeing huge changes for the better. But before we get into
3: that, you've got to tell our listeners and readers a little bit about yourself. Thank you for having me, Brett. This is a distinguished group. I'm uh, very privileged to be a part of, so I appreciate that.
1: Wow, there we go.
3: That's Sucking up already. <laughs> you're they're recording.
1: You're they're recording this. Right? It's
3: recorded. Yeah. The sarcasm. You can't see that because it's just audio. <laughs> well, well, thank you guys for having me. So, just a little bit about my background. So, I actually came up in journalism. My desire was to be a sports reporter. So, I, I spent about a semester in college doing that. Uh, moved into news and then made about a 10-year career as a newspaper reporter in Dallas, Texas, Columbus, Georgia, and Fort Myers, Florida, mostly focusing on the court system and, and crime. So that was a little bit of my background. Moved to Tallahassee about 12 years ago and then moved into communications, public relations, and then eventually moved into operations and policy role at the Florida Department of Management Services. So that's a little bit of my background. Along the way, I made a stop as the press secretary at DEP. So I spent some time working with, uh, with Jeff and, and Brett and some other folks here in town on some of those environmental issues. So happy to kind of get back to some of my journalism roots. Nice. Glad you're here.
2: So I got a question for you, Patrick. I, I think what was, what was enticing about, as you said, joining this august
3: body that we have here? primarily just being able to continue to work on my writing and editing, which I've always enjoyed doing. obviously working with a good group of people that I enjoy working with and, and just being able to, uh, to kind of get back into that world a little bit. Well, I,
2: I have to say you've already added a lot of momentum to our efforts. Uh, you know, I think we've seen in the two issues now that we've published for the physical paper an improvement in just appearance in the, the content that's provided. And I think we've got a lot more to discuss as it relates to the evolution of not only the specifier, but the the specifier podcast. I
3: mean, we've talked a little bit about this, but I think my time at DP spent a lot of time working with the specifier. It was a newspaper that would always come around and ask a lot of questions and, and be interested in focusing on very specific kind of niche environmental news. In the last few years, as I've seen it, some of the content and some of the the features have maybe not been as professional as I think they could be. And so I think one of my big focus areas is wanting to make sure that the specifier can be a source of regulation that's going on, ideas and pilots and things that are going on in the environmental space, because I think sharing a lot of that and being a platform for that is very important. Sometimes different industries can get siloed, and so it's it's important to bring all of those different ideas and, and news that's going on in this industry into one spot. And so I hope the specifier can be that place.
2: Agreed. Well, let's hear about those changes our readers
3: will see in the current issue and some of those that are are coming up in the future. We'll, We'll talk a little bit about the current edition and the upcoming edition. I think we want to focus a little bit on what's to come in the new year. Certainly, we've got legislative session that's starting in January. So a little bit of focus on some of the environmental policy areas that will be a focus of the legislature. Want to take a little bit of a look back at hurricane season and see how that played out over the last year. Obviously, we've still got a little bit of time to go, but hopefully we'll be okay here in Florida. But we'll take a look at some of the environmental impacts around that. And then just some of the regulations that are out there, some of the, you know, environmental practices that I think industry is working on. We'd like to feature a lot of those in the upcoming edition. Nice.
0: All right, well, let's talk about some specifics for the most recently released issue of the specifier, that September October issue. Jeff, we'll let you start. What captured your attention the most this go around?
1: You know, something that Patrick just said really struck me. I like the fact that we're actually breaking news, right? We're we're introducing things to readers that they may not have any idea is, is going on in the environmental world. And so really two articles to me met that criteria. One was on the, the rice's whale. I think very few people realize that there's a new critical habitat designation Process happening right now that that covers the entire Gulf Coast. It impacts all the Gulf Coast states, and Florida is particularly impacted. The effect of that listing could be pretty significant on how we conduct commerce across the the Gulf of Mexico. So it's going to affect our western ports along the Gulf Coast, and potentially a lot of industry. It'll, it can affect the importation of fuel, which is going to have a, a broad effect on our economy and a lot of different industries. And so just the fact that we could introduce people to it. So that they're aware of it, because it's not something that most people I talk to, when I ask them if they know anything about it, they say no. So I hope we can raise the attention of that. Another one, we uh, really covered a policy area that's going to get a lot of attention over the next couple of years. I think we previewed a policy uh, push that's happening right now as current events related to PFAS. And if you don't know what PFAS stands for, I'm not gonna try to remember the acronym right now, but it's the forever chemicals that we've all been hearing about that's showing up in our water supply. It's being regulated at the federal level and regulations will be forthcoming in Florida. But the department has been doing a lot of work trying to identify where it is, who might be impacted by it. Before people want to start panicking about, do I have it and what does it do to me? And before the mainstream media is gonna start covering it here pretty soon when some of these regulations start to hit, I like that we're covering the policy up front, how we're going to deal with it. Florida has been through issues before where we've got widespread contamination and the approaches that we've used in the past have worked. People don't talk about ethyl-dibromide or EDB today because it's an issue that we successfully dealt with and we managed as a state. And I think we can manage PFAS with similar types of policies. We did a preview of some policy formation that's happening live right now. Coalition of stakeholders have gotten together with the department and started to share ideas. And I think those ideas are going to start to get traction. And hopefully some of them will get moved forward a little bit during this legislative session.
2: All right, Ryan, how about you? Well, I'll piggyback a little bit on the PFAS discussion before I get into my preferred article, if you will, just because I think it's to answer the the hypothetical that Jeff posed. Yes, everyone does have trace amounts of PFAS within their system already. And I think we will likely see sort of that media uh, hyperactive focus on this, the sky is falling type situation. I mean, the, the truth of the matter is EPA has identified PFAS and PFOA as contaminants of emerging concern dating back to 2011, 2012. There's mass class action lawsuits going on against manufacturers of the substance because it literally is everywhere. And so the question then becomes how does the state legislature in the midst of Uh, Federal class action lawsuits and and EPA regulation interact with both federal standards that are being set. I mean, we've seen some states set standards that are just, quite frankly, asinine and unrealistic California, but just unrealistic from a mitigation standpoint. So I I think that will be interesting to see how much does the legislature act. And I think multiple PFAS articles we have in this edition are helpful to kind of guide what might be coming. So that was one. Secondly, I'm just sort of a nerd for rulemaking. And so (laughs) the stormwater rules that are being updated and and proposed by DEP, I think are very interesting and, and often, you know, promulgation of rules at the department level it does take that in each audience to actually want to pay attention and follow throughout the process. It's a little bit different than legislating because you just have public involvement on the front end and throughout the process, which is always a good thing. You also have the department doing their best, whether it's DEP, DOH, DMS, any rule, uh, any entity that's that's promulgating a rule, providing public workshops. So the particular stormwater updates that have are probably long overdue, have caused quite a bit of stir in terms of what developers, engineers, local governments are going to have to comply with with these changes. And, and so I kind of wanted to ask the group because I think we've all in, in one shape or form have had a client, multiple clients potentially, who have been surprised at the words on the page as they've come out. So just sort of to ask this group, what do you think is going to happen here? Because ratification is necessary. The legislature has to approve the ultimate product. I'll ask you, do you think, is the department going to change their tune, change the rule? Will the legislature ratify as is? Will the legislature force changes? I'm interested to hear y'all's thoughts.
0: And going to what you said, there are a lot of people surprised, but I don't think people that clients of yours, Ryan, certainly not mine. You can say, hey, there's a stormwater rule being drafted. You might want to participate uh, in what's going on. I think that's what happened in that ratification process last year was no one bothered to read it. Something comes out and then they panic. And that's a problem. But if you want my prediction, my prediction is they're down the road toward ratification. They're going to come back. I think they've got to change it somewhat, rightfully so, I think in some cases, reasonably. But I think uh, in the end, if not this year, it'll eventually happen. So, Brett, do you think it'll be ratified this year, but with changes? In my mind, that's the most likely scenario. I agree with you. I've heard about
1: a couple of tweaks to the rule that would preserve the substance of it, the intent of it, the overall objectives of it, but maybe would soften some of the edges that I think people perceive are going to make the cost too high. Yeah, I think ratification with changes. I'm not going to disclose what I think those changes might be
2: <laughs> or should be. No thoughts. No thoughts. All right. I'm Plan leave, it, it safe. Then he
3: can't lose. I'm just going to leave it to the experts. Plan it safe. Newsman. Ryan, you didn't
1: say what you what you think is going to happen.
2: Strategically, no, I did not. But now that you've <laughs> called me out on it, no, I think the legislature ultimately will ratify. But I don't, I don't foresee them ratifying as is. Yeah, I agree.
0: That's more foreshadowing to uh, them working on that the, language, folks out there.
3: And then I want to just jump in briefly on the the articles from the last edition. I'll kind of stay on the, the PFAS train a little bit, but in a little bit of a different way. I appreciated that we had an article in there that kind of looked at a pilot going on in, I think it was Washington State in Michigan, to look at PFAS in water tables. Not necessarily for the substance of everything that went into that article, but two notes on that. One, I like the fact that the specifier can be a place where industry experts can talk about things that are going on elsewhere and bring those thoughts in. And also, it's a place where you can get published. If you have expertise in a certain area, you can bring that expertise to a wider audience. And so I think that's valuable for, you know, certainly for individuals, for firms, for people who are working in these different industries, but it just gives a good platform for that. So not necessarily on the on the policy side or diving into to those issues, but I just That was the one that I liked in this current edition, because I think it shows that we're willing to bring in different voices uh, in different industries to be able to showcase what's going on out there.
0: No, I think that's important. And my article is kind of the other side to the coin on that one, which is you're saying bringing in the, the experts and giving them a platform to talk about the things they know best. And for me, it's the ability to bring out stories in some detail that are sometimes good news when it comes to the environment. PFAS is certainly an issue. It's going to have to get dealt with. A lot of these things are like that. Water quality is like that in Florida. A lot of challenges, but I like that we have the front page, an article about Lake Apopka, which was severely impaired not very long ago. And recently, they're actually hitting that TMDL line for phosphorus. That's a big deal. doesn't happen a lot. It doesn't happen everywhere. It's not done. Mike Register and those folks have done a great job, but They're not done with their work, but I like the fact that we're able to put news like that out so people can see is like, if nothing else, some of these places are going definitely in the right direction.
3: Yeah. And you're not necessarily going to see that in every major legacy news publication or TV channel. They're not, they're just not going to pick up some of that stuff. So to your point, the fact that we can highlight that, I think, again, gives another avenue for the public to understand what's going on, particularly with the governmental agencies that are working on these things.
0: Yeah. And since you're the boss, you can claim as many articles as you want. You talked about PFAS a little bit, I think appropriately. Do you have something else in there that you liked?
3: you know I think it was just a good not a particular article but just a good mix of different topics you know I think we hit a lot on water quality we hit on regulation certainly Florida is just ripe for environmental news and issues that happen and we're not limited to water quality only or waste issues only or air issues only we're open and, and hitting on a multitude of issues at, at the same time which I think is you know just just makes us a valuable resource for Florida yeah I agree and that includes things external to the news, but places where
0: people can go to get information and also hear from these same experts. And one of those things is coming up here for the next few weeks, and that's the AF Water Forum. Jeff, you have some experience and connection to that. I've been going for many, many years. Why do you like it? What's important about it? It's a, a conference that covers issues that is important to a lot of
1: Floridians, a lot of lawmakers, a lot of folks involved in policy, And we cover it in a kind of a unique way at the Water Forum, which is really nice. I've shared with people who want to know, you know, should I go? What's it like? And the way I describe it is we get policymakers that are involved in shaping our state's water policy. We get them involved in discussions with experts from around the state with different backgrounds representing different types of stakeholders, and we get them involved in a discussion And and people like to see that. So I think for the audience, they get to watch that discussion take place in real time. I think it's great for the policymakers, the legislators that participate in these panels. I think they learn a lot as they're, you know, we can get pretty in depth on a topic that may be hard to address even at a committee workshop. You might not have as much time to get that kind of in depth analysis on the pros and cons of of certain policy decisions. So it's a very policy heavy. If you like that, it's a great place to go. If that's not your thing, you'll, you'll probably be staring at your phone the whole time because it's it's for, for policy nerds and and I think we're we're all in that category. It's a lot of it's a lot of fun. It's a short event. It's just an afternoon, a great reception, which is always fun to share a drink with colleagues
0: and nerd out over this, and then uh, a morning, and you're you're done. It's a good event. Yeah, it's one of the few events where I don't find myself wandering away, not because I have to, but just because. And so yeah, it gets down into brass tacks, and that's the
3: part I like about it. Well, then that's important too, right? When you're anytime you're dealing with large policy issues, those issues are going to affect a multitude of industries and governments and, and everything else. It's it's important to bring those audiences together so that everyone's aware of what those issues are and, and how it potentially could affect them. Yeah, I, I like to think that we create a safe space to really throw a lot of
1: crazy ideas against the wall, and uh, some of them stick. and uh, And ideas that got discussed at the Water Forum ended up being bills the next session and ended up becoming law. And so it's pretty cool to see sometimes the genesis of those ideas get formulated there. And mixing it up this year
2: Tampa instead of Orlando. Oh, I know. I know. Yeah, I was scandalous.
1: I think I told a half a dozen people, see, in Orlando, uh, you know, just assuming it was always in the same place. But no, yeah, trying something different.
0: Yeah, that one works for me. I like it. All right, let's take a quick look ahead by putting our editor in chief on the spot and talk a little bit about maybe an article or two that may be on its way for the next uh, issue.
3: Well, I want to hit on one thing, which yeah. is which is the specifier online um, and talk about that for a minute. So, you know, I think traditionally that website has just been a place that you can land. You can click on a PDF of the past article. We've moved away from that. So if you go to com, you can see that we have moved to more of a traditional sort of news website where you're not just clicking a PDF and then scrolling. Actually, each individual article is is laid out there. We're also starting to add more breaking news or news that occurs in between editions. It's a little difficult when you have a publication covering a two-month span. Sometimes news happens and you have to react to that. So if you go to the website, you'll see that we're starting to load in articles that didn't fit our last deadline, but are impactful in in the next few weeks and months. So definitely check that out because I think that's going to end up being a a resource. We've got some other things that we have planned in the works to uh, add to the website to just make it more of a uh, live living place where people can go for news. So I just want to make a quick plug for that.
0: Yeah, no, that's, uh, that's great and important. Brian, you and I've got some interesting conversations coming up on the podcast. What are you looking forward to?
2: We do. We've got a number that should be coming out here in the short term, I will say. Mr. John Bell from Greater is going to talk a little bit about with us water conservation and some of the recent policy developments surrounding that topic. We've got a host of podcast guests from Dewberry talking about a number of issues, whether it's water consumptive use permitting, rural utilities in the water and wastewater space, as well as response and recovery to large-scale storms and some of the work that they've been doing across the state. We had the pleasure of interviewing a couple of members of the Florida House down at Marco Island, and so those should be forthcoming as well. And then uh, Mr. Matt Leopold going to talk a little bit about waters of the United States with us, so we're excited to roll that one out.
0: All right, I think that's a good place to close. Thanks for listening to the Florida Specifier podcast. If you like what you hear, please be sure to hit subscribe on whatever platform you use to listen. And don't forget to leave a five-star rating and review. If you don't like what you hear, well, then just subscribe to the Specifier online at floridaspecifier.com and read your environmental news and commentary the old-fashioned way. But do be sure to subscribe. It's easy to do. And you heard earlier, there's a ton of options to read, watch, listen,
2: and learn at your fingertips. Indeed. We definitely appreciate your support. Production of this podcast is by Carl Sorn and David Barfield at Lonely Fox Studios. Join us next time as we delve into the issues, policy, and people that environmental professionals and policymakers want to know about. If you have an idea for an article or topic, please be sure to let us know. We'd love to hear from you. And of course, special thank you to Bagels and Biscuits for allowing us to use their good song. For Jeff Littlejohn, Brett Cyphers, and Patrick Gillespie, I'm Ryan Matthews, and we'll see you next time.